Welcome to Design Your Life, the podcast where we explore applying design principles to everyday life. I'm your host and founder of Frost Collective, Vince Frost. Welcome to the first episode of our Australian Made series. At a time of so much uncertainty in the world, I thought it'd be really cool to focus on talking to brilliant people right here in Sydney. We're celebrating designing and making local. In this series, I will be speaking with highly optimistic Australian makers, entrepreneurs, and creatives who against all odds are making a positive difference. My first guest is Shelley Simpson, the founder of Mud Australia. A Sydney design business known for their organic minimal porcelain forms and who are dedicated to the artesian process. Every piece of mud is handmade in the Americville Sydney studio using a highly nuanced and hands-on process. Through Shelley's creative vision and sage business mind, Mud Australia has become an Australian design icon with stores across Sydney, Melbourne, Los Angeles, New York, and London. The brand has organically attracted a high-profile fan base of chefs and celebrity names, including Gwyneth Paltrow, Nigella Lawson, and Bill Granger. Hi, Hi, Shelley. I just completely missed the call. I'm just looking for a pen. Oh, my God. You don't need a pen. I know I don't need a pen, but maybe I do need a pen. What do you What do you do without a pen in your hand? This I is the high tech world we're living in. Um, actually, All right, I've got okay. a pen. I've got a pen here. I've got a pad. <laughs> How are you? I'm all right. I just had I had a procedure on my back yesterday, so a thousand apologies for something cut out. And you know how you oh, go in. Well, I went to have. I was fine. Um, I went to have the procedure and then they said, I oh, know we want you to take antibiotics and go away for an hour. And mm. I thought it would be done in a short period of time and it took the whole day. Anyway, oh that's fine. Are you okay to talk? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm fine. Oh, my God. Wow. I came I came back to work after a, a week after giving birth to my second child. I don't. A week? That's a long time. A week. <laughs> Such a long time. <laughs> hey, it's so cool to catch up because you've been aware of your brand for a very long time. Locally, yeah. internet, internationally. Yeah, I mean, internationally is questionable at the moment, but I'm sure things will recover at some point, maybe. Uh, should we just talk about that? How things been for you personally? And I'm deeply distressed about the world in general, but mm. that's personally. I think business April was, we all fell off a cliff. Yeah. And then May's been good. So I think we're up on last year. So I don't... Okay. It's one of those things that's going to, you know, I I don't know what happens next week or next month and I'm not assuming anything. We're not setting massive budgets. We're just kind of working week to week while this all uh, sort of evolves and unravels. And then sort of the new things are just hoping my windows stay intact in Brooklyn and LA. Mm. Cause of course, it was a block away from our store in LA at the writing. And, oh my God. you know, if I was over there, I'd probably be smashing windows as well. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I do feel a lot for the situation. I mean, I have since Trump was Trump came in, but that's yeah. a, I mean, it's just gone from bad to bad, yeah. hasn't it? It's such oh, a it's nasty just, antagonist, it, you know? It just, it just doesn't feel real. It can't possibly be happening, can it? And why? Do people, I mean, people aren't putting up with it, I guess, but I mean, it's, why is well, not. He, he should be, re- and why isn't he being removed? My God, I, I just amazed he's last as long as he I, has. It's just been, it's just the election process. And like, I was opening the LA store around that time. So I was there for about six months on and off. Well, and fine. I just could not believe, came back to Australia, the election happened, went back to New York, and the girls that worked for me were, they were just devastated. They could not believe that that was going to be their new way forward, you know, for women at that time. That was sort of the most pressing issue. That's true. In my community was, you know, how the, but then it just spread its wings, didn't it? And it just has been the most raucous and crazy period of time. I don't know how they get back from that, but then I don't know how the whole, whole world Repairs itself and it will. And, you know, life has, life goes on in Sydney now where, you know, it's 
we're not unscathed, but, you know, definitely people are getting on and getting on with it, you know, getting yeah. up and getting on with it. Yeah. I mean, there's theories going out there that he's the one that planted the, the virus in the first place, which wouldn't surprise me. Hey, <laughs> let's move on from Trump because he just makes okay. my blood it's, boil. It's just, and, it may, and I could get depressed by it. I kind of feel like there's, you know, if I normally – I, I, there was something that happened maybe 18 months, two years ago for me in business where I just thought, I really have to stop watching the news mm. and I really have to focus on my community yeah. and that's what I have to do. And that's a way for me to make the world a bit better is working with my teams and making sure that everybody has, we have best practice in our workplace and we look after people the best way we can and just create a cocoon for ourselves a little bit, whether mm. that be with, you know, people that we supply or whether it's, you know, the, the people that are involved in our business is to sort of, you know, make nice things for nice people and that's kind of one of our, you know, mantras in here. We don't want to work with people who are horrible. No. We don't want to work with companies that are ripping up other companies. We don't want to do, you know, we're, we're now in a privileged position because of time where we can say no to some things and step away from things when they're not. People aren't meeting that criteria. Yeah, and I guess with the the focus on the home um, recently, with us all forced to be home, some people adjusted that really easily. Other people, it was hard for people. But I think what it's done is is reconnected people with the home, and perhaps that's why you've got a, a you know higher sales. A lift in May, I think so too. Look, I think it might just calm down again. I don't think I don't think we're necessarily going to be up every month from now on in. I think we. People have spent a bit of time at home. They've worked out how to do online shopping with ceramics, which is, I think has always been a bit of a challenge. And our dispatch department have worked out how to deal with the flow, which yeah. has been a big, the biggest change in our business, not the number of pieces that we make and or sell, but how we actually get them to people now direct rather than through our retail stores, which have been closed. And just reopened, but have been closed for a while. Talk about how you started off. Are you a ceramicist first? Is, did you go no. to art college? Oh, you didn't? Okay. No. All right. Got that wrong? No, no. I I moved to Sydney mm-hmm. from Melbourne. Mm-hmm. I was in, you know, I just sort of had, I guess I was, creative pursuits were definitely my thing, but I hadn't got involved with St. Martin's Theatre in South Yarra and joined bands and did that stuff in my 20s and really was quite feckless and didn't really achieved very much singing and those sorts of things and loved all of that, sort of stepped off into that world in Melbourne, got involved with St. Martin's Theatre in South Yarra and joined bands and did that stuff in my 20s and really was quite feckless and didn't really achieve very much. Moved to Sydney at 27, mm-hmm. 28, and actually moved into a share house with somebody who had a kick wheel in their back shed. Had a what? And then... A kick wheel, which is one that you use your foot to power. Oh, yes, for pot, uh, pottery. Pottery. And my flatmate said, have a go, have a go, have a go. And I actually spent a weekend in summer, from summer, and just made all these things. And she was away and came back from her <laughs> weekend away and just said, yeah, just do that. <laughs> yeah, to just pick up clay without any instruction and make things. I mean, they weren't great. But I do have my first bowl I ever made, and it sits in my office. Oh, cool. Um, you know, I kind of think it's just that thing of, you know, you find something that you connect with, you you know you're creative, you have that sense that you want to be involved in that creative, those creative pursuits somehow, but mm. finding your medium sometimes catches you off guard, and mm. definitely Clay did that for me. So that was, I then sort of played around with it for a little while, started the business, and Lost, applied for a job that I wasn't quite probably was never going to get, but thought that I was wildly qualified for, mm-hmm. and um, didn't get that job. And then thought, no, I'm going to go and do this. So I did a new enterprise incentive scheme, which is a government-run scheme mm-hmm. to get you set up for business, which was a little strange, but it did give me money for a year, which was great. Started going to the markets, lived in Bondi. You know, went to the markets on weekends and sold things at a stand and painted and did incredibly elaborate, hand-thrown, really labour-intensive, hand-painted pieces that were not really hitting the mark. I think they were, it was a good way to learn and definitely I then started trying to sell them into stores 
and mm. I'd walk around with a box of things. And I remember Sue from Accoutrement saying, telling me, telling me, who would think of putting those two colours together? I can't believe you're wasting my time kind of thing. <laughs> Shooting me out of the store. I don't oh, think God. she remembers it. Because then she, of course, we sold through Accoutrement. And then, yeah. So eventually the product evolved and it became something that was quieter and better and stronger. And, you know, I my the stuff I didn't learn at art school, I learned through talking to people and testing things in a market. And and did when you were selling at the Bondi market, was it did, mm. was the brand called Mud at that point? No, no. It was called Commoners Mud. Ah. Mm. Uh, so what happened? You simplified it. Uh, Commoners Mud came around as it was a sort of an off-the-cuff comment that had been said to somebody and I just thought that was, Hysterical. I love that when somebody, when you answer the phone, you say common as mud and people would laugh straight away. <laughs> and it's sort like of, it just, it, yeah, just like that. And they would <laughs> laugh. And it just, that was the best way to start a conversation. And I, I also think, you know, we often take ourselves way too seriously. And, and some things just remind you that, you know, we're not curing cancer in here. We're making lovely things, but mm. that's what we do. Yeah. And, I mean, I've got to be responsible and I've got to take things seriously because I have, you know, 80 whatever staff that need a job next week and I need to be sensible and take it seriously. But I, we are just making pottery, you know. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I guess, when, <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely stunning. If you don't associate your product with mud, <laughs> it's interesting. I think no. That's what I love about it. Obviously, mm. the origin is, I guess. But I discern, it's certainly like it. It's elegant. It's simple. It, once you've bought one, you want more. It's definitely uh, an addiction. Yeah, to, uh, I think to, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? It's kind of I wonder how that happens. I mean, I think it it is partly about the colours and the the shapes and that that you see it. You can feel hands have been there before. So when you pick mm. it up, it doesn't feel like a machine made it. Yeah, because it hasn't been made by a machine. But you know it. It is something that people have connected with. The first, the hand-painted, hand-thrown things that took me 10 times longer, people didn't connect with in the same way. Some, mm. You know, people liked them, but it wasn't like the next phase of mud. And, and it was like really keeping it pure and simple and not deviating. Because there were certainly many times when I was offered different things and, you know, do this, do try that, can we buy 10,000 of those on down, I'd look at it and I think I, I have to say no to this because I mm. have to stay true to the design and, and I know that my team will hate doing that or putting those terrible gold and gold lusters onto things that always seem to be I want my team to work with things that are really bad for them. Well, that's really, that's really interesting. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know when um, dinosaur designs, they might have started at a similar time. Do, do you know They were a little bit before. Yeah, I know this guy's we, and that, that they're very before, uh, playful, yeah. and con- con- continually changing, but it, you still know yeah. it's a dinosaur design product. It's really cool how yeah. you focused on keeping it as simple as it is, but it still feels like there seems to be colors, new colors coming through. But you, you know, yeah. nothing clashes with you know a gray no. a gray bowl you've bought. A, you know, buying a pink kind of water jug or a green you know, a uh, soup bowl or something. Like, it's, it all works together naturally, of course. Um, but It was really interesting watching the way stylists work with mud because what, they would come directly to my studio mm-hmm. and pick up things and then they'd show me the photos they'd taken. And, you know, there's one, I can't remember who it was, but one girl took stuff and put it with bone china, like, like Shelley bone china, that kind of old world. And I just thought, this really sits beautifully in there but mm. also you take it from there and put it into a, a more contemporary space with stainless steel and stone and whatever and it works nicely to soften that as well so I think it really for me it's just been about hey what do I want what do I need in my life that's number one my family needs it, it needs, I need it on my table or hanging from my roof to light the room or whatever that piece is that I don't have Mm. that I need, that was the first, if it ticks that box, then it was a, a good piece. Does it fit in the dishwasher? 
mm. is another design thing. Because I don't, I mean, I had one child in 96 and then another one in 2001. And, you know, I was a working mum and you, there's no time. No. If, I don't want to hand wash things or be precious about them. They've got to be able to be functional. And then sort of the last evolution was does it go in the oven? Yeah. Was it 500 no, degrees? W- it goes up to, it's like incredible. Well, you kind of can't wreck it. I mean, I wouldn't put it in a pizza oven or stick it on an open flame. Mm-hmm. But porcelain fires to 1200, and I think I've got to 1220. So you're Jesus. anything up to about five, 600 degrees, that's where the glazes start to soften. And so anything up to there, you're absolutely fine. It's just getting it into that heat and out of that heat without giving it any kind of thermal shock. So not from the fridge to the oven and oh. not from the oven to maybe a freezing cold bench top or something. Yeah. But onto a breadboard and then you're fine, you know. And then I started thinking about shapes that you can cook in and that's been another sort of direction, sort of the bakeware and pie dishes and flans. And I've been mm. using, the latest thing I've just done is a sliced tray for brownies, but oh, cool. it does so much more than just brownies. And um, this, is not a, this is a commercial Turning into a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no, I'm joking. I mean, I take my dog. I take my dogs to the park, and I use one of the plates as a frisbee. It's incredible. It hasn't cracked. It hasn't shattered. Amazing. It's incredible. <laughs> no, I think. <laughs> well, I think it's kind of a, it's what I love about it is you know when you come across the brand for the first time, it's like the name kind of makes you giggle. The product yeah. is just oh my god. I absolutely, it's like candy, you want it. And just the, the surprising, I, I, you naturally think, oh my God, this is going to break. If I get it, my kids are going to break it, which is what my kids were the younger, I thought that was going to happen and then find out that it's like incredibly durable. Again, like another kind of surprise in, mm. in that. And, and, you know, on the face of it, it's you know, relatively costly. But then when you realize it, 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 you actually, it actually lasts you a lifetime. That's what I love. I love the fact that it, it then it, once you bought a few of them, you realize how other things in your home need to kind of almost adjust to that. The simplicity, color palette, um, the durability, etc. Buying things, yeah. purchasing things that last, that give you pleasure. And as I, I posted a few times on my social, just how much pleasure it gives me every time I have a cup of coffee or, or have some cereal or some toast or a meal or whatever it might be. Just makes me feel good. I mean, maybe I'm... Um, Sad. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think that I've just been changing offices. So I've, we've got this big factory in Marrickville and I've got you know, these different rooms and we've got one that we call the dungeon, which houses all of my old molds, uh, all the <laughs> like the master molds and the original molds. And they're sort of all wrapped in bad bubble wrap and stuck in cupboards. And mm-hmm. so we've actually been pulling it all apart and reorganizing this space. And, um, pulling out all of the archives and like literally I'm bringing them out and going, oh my God, why did I stop making that? That's such a great shape. We need an oil mm. burner now. Like that's something that I did years and years ago. I think maybe I can reinvent that, change it a little bit. And and it brings me pleasure. I mean, if anybody's going to be sick of this stuff, it has to be me. <laughs> and I mean, I don't, I, I, I've always, you know, my kids have always eaten out of it. The dog eats out of it. I, <laughs> it's, it's, the thing I have around to use, I I have never tired. And, you know, opening a kiln is such a pleasure. If you can imagine, we have six big German kilns and you, each day they open. And sort of, oh. Every day there's a new colour combination that you don't, <clears throat> it's not planned. It just is what happens when you open the kilns because different pieces go into different kilns. And I would love to come have a um, look one day. Oh, you should. I think should. what's also really cool, so few brands are, in Australia are actually designed and made in Australia mm. uh, and other countries. I mean, obviously a hell of a lot's made in China um, traditionally. And it's so yeah. cool to see that you're, you know, you're in Marrickville. You're, you're, it's, this is where you're based. You're designing it. You're making it. You're sending it around the world from that base. It's just incredible. And then opening up other countries and I guess introducing the product to the Australian product to, to the world. It must be, you know, anyone coming across it, it's just such a nice feeling, isn't it? You, you must see people come into your shop or discover your brand for the first time and, and that kind of positive engagement must make it worthwhile for you. It's fantastic. I mean, it is that, that I love being fly on the wall in store. And, you know, I'll, quite often I'll go and gift wrap at Christmas time because I'm useless. I mean, I can sell things, but I'm better, 
you know, at rapping. <laughs> and um, so they'll put me in a corner and then somehow something will happen and I'll have a conversation with somebody and they, they know that I designed the product. And it's really, it's lovely to hear, it's lovely to hear somebody walk in and start selling the product to another customer. Mm. Then I really know that, you know, what I've made has made a difference to that person's life to the point where they say, well, this is what I have and I use this like this. And, oh, no, don't worry, it's not going to break. You've got to, you know. And, you know, it is porcelain. It can break. You know, I have different people in my life who I give things to and I have to keep gifting things to because they do break things. Mm. But that's just some people. I don't think that it's everybody. And I have other, other friends I go around and they've got sort of the archive of colours that have been around since, the beginning of Amazing. the brand and you know um so it does last a long time and when mm. did, when did it and it's really cool to hear your story of how you kind of you know from that early potter's will that, mm. that i mean amazing if you if you hadn't have stayed at that place you may never have ended up doing what you did no no absolutely not if i hadn't have met clay i would not have stepped i mean i was never going to go and do a pottery course that was not something. It just was an introduction and then but isn't that the way? Quite often we're introduced to things like and the sort of things we're yeah. being introduced to at the moment that you wouldn't necessarily do. Mm. Like people become obsessed with all kinds of things and that was just a I guess it's knowing when you're introduced to something that's something that is for you. And I mean I, I, I talk to people all the time who just say, Look, I've never found the thing I was meant to do. I've never found the thing that really excited yeah. me. And maybe they, maybe it didn't come to them, or maybe they weren't aware of it, or didn't see it. Well, if I had have got that job, yeah, what was, that was the that other job, thing? I applied for it. It was a, it was the assistant manager at the State Theatre. Okay, cool. and I was working as a manager in a Bridges restaurant, mm-hmm. who owned the State Theatre, and I was thought I was shooing for that job. I was sure I was going to get it because I love theatre so much, and I love music so much, and that's the perfect place for me to work. Of course, they'll employ me. Yeah. But didn't get it. If I had got that job, I wouldn't. I would never have started the company. I don't believe. Were you angry about that? At the time? I was furious because I decided it was because I was a woman of twenty nine, mm-hmm. and I don't think. I mean, I'm. I don't know how much of it was my imagination, but I don't know <laughs> whether big corporations actually spend money on women between certain ages, or particularly back then, twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll leave and have kids, and I did have kids. But I worked harder after I had kids. Mm. Nothing to inspire you, quite, you know, inspire you than that. What's interesting is that, uh, I mean, I went to design school for two years and then worked for somebody for, uh, or worked for various companies for, I don't guess, 10 maybe? No, Mm -hmm. not not as much as that, actually. Yeah, maybe seven years. And then I started my my thing, Frost Design in London, London and um, incredibly naive at the time, in hindsight. Yeah. I didn't know anything about business. I thought it was all about design. Um, mm. I was just interested to see how what what made you, you know, what was your journey in terms of were you, were you good at business from the outset, or or how did you evolve? My mother, my mother worked, so my mother had a real estate business in Melbourne, and I would go from school to her office mm-hmm. and sit in the back of the office, and she'd be doing business, and she was, you know quite a young mum so it always looked very glamorous what she was doing mm. and I and I loved houses and I loved designing houses I used to m- make little models of houses while I was sitting in her office and there was always um, floor plans and things probably should have got into architecture but was terrible at math so that was <laughs> never going to be a thing me too um, and I've always loved working because she loved working you know I always like going and, you know, being around these groups of people and realizing things, whatever it is. So I think it was harder harder when there were less people. I think the more people were here that were working at MUD, the, the more responsibility I felt towards them and the more of a community we had and I could work. You know, I, I, it's not unusual for me to work six or seven days a week, coming in on the weekends and doing bits and pieces just mm-hmm. because it's not work. No. When you find something you really love, it's really not work. No, I agree. And then I remember sort of hearing something on the radio that said, do the hardest thing in your day first. Mm-hmm. And I thought, 
that's really sensible. And I started doing it. And like literally, like that's one of the things that I do all the time. Well, what, and what is it? Whatever that hardest thing is. <laughs> if I've got to have a difficult conversation with a team member, ah. I don't leave it till the end of the day. God, if you I, must, if you I must, have they must to, hate morning time with you. <laughs> <laughs> I never the, come and have a coffee with Shelley at the cafe around the corner. Yeah, no, that's yeah, bad. <laughs> yeah, uh-oh. No, but I just don't, I can't, in my, like, if I know there's something wrong, I need to deal with it, I will deal with it first up. And it's just because I don't, I hate, like, the years, I think, the first, whatever, eight years, I would just sit in that space feeling uncomfortable and not dealing with a problem. So if I've got issues with a freight company or, you know, in the old days when telecommunications was always an issue, you sort of get on the phone and I'm like, deal with this now. I don't want them. That bill's ridiculous. I've got to talk to someone about this or, you know, sort of jump into those things. Doing the business side of things, dealing with the tax department or dealing with accountants or, you know, the stuff that isn't my natural happy place. Mm-hmm. Getting that stuff done quickly was always better to do it first thing in the morning. And then the rest of the, the rest of the day is easy. Everything else is easy. It doesn't matter how what comes gets thrown at you during the day if you've dealt with that hor- whatever the horrible thing is. Mm. And did you? So that made a big over- difference to my business, me being in business, because there were certain things that I avoided or didn't want to be involved in. I mean, I don't know if anybody remembers what it was like being a small business person and having to do super before we had everything. Yeah. One touch super kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I used to sit and do checks. I would forget oh. every quarter. I would forget what I had to do. And then I would drag it all out. And then I'd I have to sit down and work out everything. So it would take me a week to do something that now I do each week with a touch of a button. Wow. But you do, know, have you built, built a team around you to do that now? I mean, presumably you've got a few oh, yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Does that I've, f- got, I've got two accountants that work yeah. here. So. And I've got a very, I, I feel like the studio is a little bit top heavy, if that makes sense. So we've mm, got yep. lots of we've got, um, retail managers and we've got general managers and operation managers and uh, production managers. There's lots of managers. So it's really about me. And then, of course, when anything goes wrong, like with the last lot of stuff that's been happening, I just my immediate go-to place is straight to the floor and I have to be around production and making sure that everybody's all right downstairs mm. because if that flow, if that, the, it's hard to teach somebody how to be a production manager in, in a company like mm-hmm. this. Yep. Just, um, you know, the amount of SKUs that we have is ridiculous. We've got 20 colors and 80 shapes. How do you prioritize anything? What's the most important thing to be making on a particular day and how many do you do? It's not a simple calculation. And um, so when things get, tough. I know that my accounts team are great. I can leave them alone, but it's, it's looking after downstairs. And also, if you're having a bad day making a handmade product, or you're scared, or the world is feeling shaky, then it mm. shows in the pieces that you're making. So it's really important that yeah. those that team are really nurtured and looked after yeah. to make sure that the product reflects that. Have you guys stopped production during this time of you know, everybody working from home? We, we when it when it first started on the thirteenth, I was on an airplane. I flew to Melbourne, and I was about to go and to Sri Lanka for a three week retreat. Nice. Going to learn to meditate. <laughs> oh dear. Um, and I got I, I got on the plane, and I was sitting next to a doctor, and he was saying to me that I shouldn't get on the next plane, and I mm. said. But it's not that bad, is it? Like I was, well, there's this that kind of conversation going on, mm-hmm. and he said you may not get back in the country. And I went, really? Yeah, Are they going to yeah. close the borders? Like I couldn't believe any of like at that time, mm. I couldn't believe any of that would happen. And um, I just made the decision not to get on the next plane. Came back again. Very sensible. So, so have, um, you, have you learned meditation from Sydney? Or no. No, there's good places. Here. I really, I really struggle with that, and I, I think that I, I mean, I'm 57 in July, mm-hmm. so I really would like to have a more peaceful mind. Anyway, um, let's see. So hang on, hang on. So <laughs> what, 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 what happens then? Do you just get overloaded? I mean, I do all the time. I get to a point where I'm going, oh my god, this is like my monkey mind doesn't help either. 
always thinking of ideas and and different things. Yeah, yeah, and trying not to complicate things. Yeah, like you think you're making it, you're finding a solution to something, but but in actual fact, you're making everything more complicated. Um, yeah. I think when I look at your products, I just think, God, that takes so much discipline to keep it so simple. Like, mm. like so many. My other- husband's very. He's he's pretty good with that with me though. He kind of he's um got a very good aesthetic. He's pretty good with that with me though. He kind of he's um got a very good aesthetic, and he. But we used to make up mud was made with earthenware originally because that's the easiest clay to work with, uh-huh. and. Again, I was dealing with um, some chefs, and I think Neil Perry got some of our bowls uh, for Rockpool a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, as I sold them, I thought, they're not going to last in the kitchen. This is not going to last in the commercial kitchen. I felt really, I felt really anxious about handing them over. Mm. And um, I said, you're going to have to stack them like this and do this with them and do that with them. And, of course, you know, this. It's probably a disaster. I think he, he sort of knew. Um, but it, and they were beautiful black bowls that he was doing a squidding pasta in and it would have been a beautiful presentation. But I then just thought, how hard can porcelain be? It really is the strongest of all the clays. And I'm going to, and I just left. I literally bought the clay in. <laughs> I've never used porcelain in my life. I had to, I researched the firing temperatures and, so every time I did this, I hadn't done it before. Like I hadn't learned it from somewhere. So I had to mm. make the next steps. And then everything shrunk a little bit more. So I had to remake mold, or sort of like retool everything to get the molds the right size for each piece. And, wow. Um, but then it was so much better. And James was so good with me. He just said, it's a better product. You can let go of the other me. You don't have to sell two ranges. So is, really, is James your husband? Yeah. And does he work with you in the business? He does. I should have interviewed him. He came, you should have. He's far <laughs> more interesting than me. <laughs> uh, he's, um, he worked, um, he worked in, uh, for a design, was working at, for a design company and, um, as a project manager for, um, I get this wrong all the time, uh, for a company called Folk. And um, he just said, I want to come work at your work. And I said, well, there's only office chick jobs open. <laughs> Answering the phones and sexist. doing the mail and doing that stuff. Well, no, jokingly. <laughs> and he said, I'll take it. Um, I was terrified that both that both our incomes are going to come from mud. That oh, was Jesus. scary. Yeah. Mm. Were you worried about it affecting the relationship? I'm, I'm Obviously, you were deeply in love, but did you worry that working together might change that? There's been moments where it's been a little bit interesting, but I think it's, it's okay because we've got our own places. I mean, he really looks after sort of the marketing, branding side of the company and I really focus on the production people and design. So we have our own spaces. Um, we have separate, like I'm in a different, he's in an open plan office upstairs and I was up there for a while and then I realised I can't be up there. It's better for our relationship if I have my own space. So, so, so he's probably um, mastered meditation, hasn't he? No, not <laughs> at all. He, surfs. he goes surfing. Great. Oh, well, that is meditation yeah. for a lot of people. I guess it is, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Is it a, is it a mud surfboard? That's next, no, isn't it? No, not at all. Not at all. Okay. It'll sink. <laughs> I think porcelain floats. Oh, but that's cool. That's that's really cool. How you, how how long have you been working together for then? Now, um, I feel like um, eighteen years or something. Wow, 16 that's incredible. Years somewhere up, somewhere around there. Yeah. Was it was that the turning point? You know, the period around like eighteen yeah, years ago, where pretty you much. I I think I think like having somebody who was a great communicator in the business was fantastic. Like mm. he he. You know, I'd be running around doing, you know, doing all the different on the floor things, and he he was focused very much on making sure that you know somebody in New York who wanted a phone call would get that phone call, or some wherever it was, he he would make sure that that happened. And he's he's such a perfectionist, and he 
just wouldn't let me settle. Like I would sometimes probably just go, oh, that's good enough. And he'd say, well, hang on, won't. Mm. Constantly raising the bar. But with the product, surely you're not compromising. No, but it's, it, it is a handmade product. So there's a line where it's, some things are a bit more organic than other things. So we yeah. do our second sale here, which is a whole lot of pieces. There's, a, there's fundamentally nothing wrong with, but they might be not quite good enough to make it into store or go to a wholesale account. Mm. So finding that line, I think, was a really hard thing to do and getting that right was really important. Mm. And um, although James wasn't necessarily doing it, I knew it was there. <laughs> yeah. And I couldn't get away with it being wrong a little bit. You know, I needed to I needed to lift the bar because he was there. So where where was your first store? Was it the one in Edgware? Um, in Edgware Road. Yeah, Pro's in Wallara. Yeah, yeah, I remember going there. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think you might have been in there at the time. Was that, So that was your first shop. And when was that? Yeah. We were, I should have a timeline, shouldn't I? Um, uh, Ten years ago? No, it was more Longer? than that. Oh, it was okay. like 2007 or something. And now you're in Double Bay. But 2007. How, how we moved it? down the hill to Double Bay because we the shop was too small. Mm. On a Saturday, you'd have you'd have two staff members in there, and then you'd have you know six people in there, and it was like people were really cranky and they couldn't mm. park, and it was yeah. like. And we'd opened um, the London store. Then I came back and I thought, this is the best we're going to do. We we'd bought that shop, so. We kind of tried, really tried to make it. It had to work really hard. Well, hang on. Um, you made London sound really simple. Uh, how, how the hell did well, that Well, London happen? was really well. No, we did New York. The New, we did a store in Soho first because we had one of our best friends, well, a couple of our best friends, were living over there, and we really wanted an excuse to be able to travel to see them. Mm-hmm. That's a bad reason. We did no market research. Okay. We just went Soho's great. Let's open a shop down there. New York and found this place in New York. Yeah. Yep. Found this place in New York in Crosby Street, which at the time the Crosby Hotel had killed it, the street because they were doing their rent, you know, restore, building that building and everything else just there was no, it was, wasn't a walking street anymore. And we just happened to jump in at the time when Crosby had just finished and we got a little store that was a bit of an awkward space that we made work as best we could. So it was a, a New York rent we could afford or, or could afford to take a risk with. And um, that street has been absolutely decimated with the riots. I know the dinosaur very sadly have lost their windows, and yeah, every that. store down that every store down Crosby Street has gone. It's shocking, Jesus. but such a great space for us, you know. And um, the the team from the Crosby Hotel were amazing, and yeah. you know, um, so you really that you, was you that was great. You didn't do it on the back of demand. You did it because. You wanted just to be there. Mm. That's interesting. Well, so, we were selling over there. We were selling over were. there. Okay. Yeah, but and we'd we'd opened. We had a Sydney store. We had a Melbourne store, and then we were sort of like talking about what was next. And we talked about Chatswood, going over the bridge on the north side. And James grew up over there, and he said, "I just don't want to get stuck in traffic taking stock over there on the mm-hmm. bridge. It's mm-hmm. my idea of hell. I don't want to do that." And I said, well, where do you want to go? And he said, let's go to New York. <laughs> he was joking. And oh, I just thought, easier. what a great idea. What yeah. a great idea. Yeah. And um, we were selling there. We had a couple of really strong accounts. And it was, it was a pretty brave leap. But it was so much fun. I mean, getting to Manhattan, pallets arriving. We had a very good relationship with the people from Vitsu who do all about um, Shelving. And design office who do our... Um, store fit out and yeah we're you know and then I, then we sort of had this amazing sort of relationship with Manhattan that was great we're there for five years and then the landlord sold the building to a corporation who tripled my rent God then what so we, moved, we moved to Brooklyn like everybody else okay and it's so great over there I just it was funny because I thought I love New York I love New York but I've really never hung out in Brooklyn and then I got to Brooklyn and I thought, this is exactly where yeah, I want to be. Brooklyn's cool. I was there recently. So Very great. Cool. So, so great. So how, how many stores have you got now around the world? We've got eight stores. Wow. We've got eight stores. Yeah. 
And it's it, um, it's interesting, isn't it? That I mean, what what's your feeling now regarding retail? I mean, retail. How, how the world's changed. Do you think it's going to affect I just you don't at all? No, I kind of, I kind of, I feel a little bit. I'm amazed by my team in those cities. Mm-hmm. I have uh, Emma, who works in London, is extraordinary. She is like so isolated. She works with a friend of mine, Fiona's son, Finn mm-hmm. Simon, good friend of ours, and he comes in and helps unpack boxes, but she's essentially on her own there. And she's looking after all the online and doing working so hard and doing an amazing job. So London is okay. You know, it's sort of quite steady, even though it's chaotic. Mm. Um and she's quite happy going in because it's just her, her in the store. We're yeah. not open to the public yet. So it's a base, um, a base and, for uh, online as well? For the yeah, yeah. I mean, that's sort of the, the idea was if you have a store, then you've got somewhere that you can work with wholesale accounts from or you can do – it wasn't just about opening a shop and selling pods. Mm. It really is. It's about marketing. It's about building a brand. Um and it's about looking after the rest of the country. So you've got somewhere like opening the New York store meant that somebody in Texas would call us and have a real-time conversation and not feel, mm. you know, if they need some pieces, we can just ship them down. Or, mm. um, And it's been really important for the brand to grow, um, to have those presences. So, yeah. How how, how, important, um, how important for the from each market that is that you're an Australian brand? Is that a, I don't think it's important. Uh. I, I I think it's I I it, it's important to me. <laughs> I think it's important to Australians. Yeah, but I don't know whether I think they love Australians, mm-hmm. but I don't think I think that the design has to stand on its own. Otherwise, yeah, they wouldn't buy it. Yeah, and. Yeah. And I don't think, like, if I see some a design piece, I, I don't necessarily say Scandinavian. I'm not unless it's Scandinavian. Like, I'm not. It's 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 really about does it speak to you? Is it what you want in your home? Is there a reason you need that? Mm. And I guess the across the the dinner tables where a lot of stories take place, um, there'd be a lot yeah. of people engaging with your product over dinners, and I guess the story of the product would be pretty. Um, uh, you know, flowing nicely. This is an Australian brand, potentially, or wow, where'd you get that from? Yeah, I think, I think, I think it's really, I think it is. Inter- I think it's definitely interesting, but I don't think it's what sells the product. Mm. I think it gives it another layer that's interesting. And we, we, when, when we were looking at, um, when I changed the name from Common as Mud to Mud, I, I, I wanted Mud as the name but I was building a website at the same time and I, I couldn't get the domain name because there was another company that had that. So Mud. I added Australia to it. So it oh. became mudaustralia.com. Right. Right. And that's why I did that. I didn't do it specifically because I thought Australia is going to help me sell pods. And again, I do think that it is, it is definitely interesting to people. They say, oh, it's Australian, and they love it when they come into a store and there's an Australian accent in the store anywhere. You know, if you're, in, if you're in the London store, they will start talking to you about the cricket. Yeah. If you're in, if you're in New York, they say, I always want to go to Australia. so far away. Sort mm. of, you know, so, it's, it's, um, I guess it's a little bit exotic. We don't think of it that way, but I think no. Americans think Australia is quite an exotic place. I was just interesting thinking. Sorry. I was just wondering if I would buy it if it wasn't made in Australia. I'm not sure. Yeah, but I think Australians are about that much more so than if it was if you were going to another environment True. or coming from another environment. True. It's like the Apple um, Mac, isn't it? Designed in California, but it's made in China. Made in where? Yeah. Yeah, or wherever. Yeah. Um, Mm, there's something comforting about it. I mean, it's comforting as a product because it's about, you know, pleasure. Um, and there's mm. a pleasure, I get a pleasure from the fact knowing that it's actually designed and made around the corner from where I live. It's kind of mm. nice. I don't know where the, where's the, um, where's the material from? Um, well, the kaolin comes, I think at the moment is coming out of New Zealand. So we buy from Limoges from a company in Limoges. Mm-hmm. 
in France. Right. Um, I was going to say, where the hell is that? <laughs> so, yeah, in France, so, um, southern France. And it, they don't have any, I don't know if they have any raw material left in France, but these companies, because the French have been doing porcelain well for a long time, mm. they buy all the reserves. We don't have, to my knowledge, there's no mining in um, Australia of, of what we need and we looked at making our own clay locally but by the time we bought all the components and shipped them in it it was actually better to be just working with a clay that was being shipped in Mm. um do your do your kids sit in the back uh, of the shop do they grow up in the in Merrickville Mm -hmm. in the seeing you doing what you're doing well yeah because I the first year of their lives, they were at work with me. So um, either in a backpack or I had like, you know, a <laughs> pan or whatever. Yeah. And um, I had this lovely Thai woman that worked with me um, when my son was born and she hooked up this sort of um, a swing, like a hammock thing that nice. she would take him outside and swing him in the hammock and he'd go oh. to sleep in his hammock. Cute. And that was lovely. Um, yeah, so, and then at 12 months or just over 12 months, they went to um, daycare mm-hmm. a couple of days a week and with grandparents and things like that. Um, but then, you know, holidays were always around. Yeah. And now, guess what? 19 and my son's 19, he's just started national art school, and my daughter has just finished at COFA. Oh, wow. And she's, she works here and he works here. <laughs> um, That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, my, yeah my, my eldest son, Luca, now works with us, which is cool. I never thought that would happen. Yeah. He wanted to be a Well, I don't know if it's player. forever. I think it's I think it's like for this moment in time, but it may not be forever, but it's nice that, you know, it was lovely Spencer finishing high school and then he came in over, over that Christmas holidays and learned how to make because he'd never actually done that process oh, and he's quite cool. good at it. So that was nice. That's um, really cool. Yeah. So do you think yeah. you've designed your life? Um, I mean, obviously, the, that's the kind of the theme of my podcast here. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think has your life kind of just evolved or have you been specifically focused on what you want to achieve? Have you designed it's it? It's very time? much evolved. It's very much evolved. Mm. I'm sorry. I'd like to no, think cool. that I was a little bit more structured with it, but I think, look, I've had, I've, there's definitely been, you know, we're now able to make more decisions, but in the beginning, you're just doing what you needed to do to pay the rent, really. Mm. Um, and I feel really lucky that I was able to do that thing that I love to do, that thing that brought me so much pleasure that I got, you know, that I found something to be obsessed about, that I found something that I really wanted to, you know, do every day and grow to the next level, take it to the next place. You know, and even when I had, you know, when I had my daughter, I, that, I think that was probably the time that was hardest learning to be a parent and run a business was yeah. definitely, and with no money, yeah. um, was definitely the hardest. That was the hardest bit. But, you know, we worked it out. We definitely just did it. Do you think when you say, people often say I was lucky or, you know, saying you were lucky, um, mm. do you think it's luck? Or just you just were determined. I think women say it a lot more than men. Because it kind of it 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 kind of <laughs> makes it sound like it was just, oh it just kind of happened. I was lucky, right place, no, right time. No, it, it's, it it's doesn't. It doesn't just happen. It's coming to work every. I mean, it's, it's being obsessed with something. It's being you know. It's it's putting the energy in. You know, you master something because you spend the time doing it. Yeah, I agree. You get really good at something because you put the hours in. It doesn't happen straight away. If, if you put, you know two years of effort into something, you'll have two years that, you know, I always find the sort of the startup, the online stuff really strange because I watch people sort of go bang and they're, they're sort of at the top of their game really quickly. We, mm. uh, you know, in Japan, when you start working with clay, you dig the clay out of the ground for five years before you're allowed to knead the clay, before you're allowed to get anywhere near a wheel. You've been working, you know, doing this massively long apprenticeship it's like time, it's okay to spend time doing something. Yeah. And I think what happens is, you know, having time gives you 
gives you mud. Like that, for me, that's what it's been. It's been about putting that time and energy in and all of the energy that the different people who have come and gone from my business and or stayed in my business yeah. have put in. Um, it's extraordinary. I, I have the, the most amazing um, partnership with a mold maker who um, I met when I was pregnant with my son, so that's mm-hmm. nearly 20 years. Som Chai, and he's an amazing artisan as well as being an extraordinary mold maker. And we have a, you know, a great relationship that's lasted that long. Wow. Um, and his his skills are amazing, and his yeah. the energy he's put in to to this brand has been extraordinary. You know, it's been absolutely collaborative on so many levels with so many different people over time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's so important, isn't it? the team? Uh, the team that you build around you um, and the people you come in contact over time. I was going to ask about your kind of vision. Could you say, like, did you have a vision of what you did? Did you imagine 20 years ago? I do. Okay. No, no, no. But I do. I've got a new vision. Oh, okay. I, I actually, I actually really want to, you know, we, we have a longstanding relationship with the guys from Bitsu and Mark, uh, has gone and built this amazing space in at Leamington Spa and out of London, and um, it's he really um, put himself out on the limb going with this project. And I, you know, you always come into factory spaces, particularly in the inner city of Sydney, and you think, how do I fit myself in? How do I squash this bit? You know, you make it work for you. And, you know, yeah. we've got a roof full of solar panels, but it's never going to be enough. We can never get off grid here. We can't, how do we make that change? You know, how do we make, um, do best practice throughout our whole workspace uh-huh. in a building that already exists that yeah. we haven't been able to remodel ourselves. So I would really love to create that. I really want to, mm-hmm. I want to build something that is a mud space, a mud, the perfect sort of environment for, um, for making this product and um, make it be a carbon neutral space with, uh, with a mud restaurant, solar. No, no, no food. <laughs> I'll maybe have somebody come in and cook for us every day. That'd be, That'd nice. be nice. That'd be nice. Wouldn't that be lovely? Yeah. yeah. But you know, yeah. there are there are there is definitely I definitely have something that's percolating at the moment where I really and it may be to do with my age and wanting to set the business up so that it has its own space so that mm. it doesn't have to, you know, that it's an enduring business that goes beyond me. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's really cool. Um, space is actually, it's really important. Um, I mean, we've got a space in um, Redfern, which is in Everly Street. It's about 1,000 square meters. Mm-hmm. And and it's just, the, the space is so important in terms of the, you know, the, it, it's it kind of a, all the values of your brand. Um you can interact with and represent in the space and the people mm. are, are so important too. I think that with, with, you know, people like us are kind of like focusing on, you know, you got your business and, and, and it's so important that the culture, the culture is vital, isn't it? The people yeah. are vital. So important. So um, important. And it's kind of like the money is a byproduct, And sometimes that's got me into trouble. Um, it's, it's, I feel like I feel like though you know if we, if this was about making money for me it wouldn't be being made here, mm. and that ultimately is why there's not really once ceramic ceramic production becomes a certain size you know Australian plant China have moved everybody everybody moves because it's not really you don't make a lot of money by staying where you are for us finding opening retail was absolutely the thing that changed the direction of the business and gave us cash flow to be able to do um, sort of a better better job at looking after everybody in here and, um, you know, creating that, that culture. Yeah. It gave us, it gave us, you know, that direct access to money rather than being the person that is sort of at the end of the wholesale well, it's interesting. Trail, if, if, you had, if you hadn't yeah. opened the Soho store, I guess you wouldn't have had the confidence to open the one after that and the one after that. No. That What would it yeah. look like if you just stayed in Australia? It would be a, I don't know. I kind of feel business. like with a sale, maybe it would be smaller. I mean, 
when I talk to people who are good at business, they kind of say, you should really maximise your retail in Australia. And I think there's definitely more retail for us to do in Australia. We were just before COVID, I've been, I was waiting before I went to Sri Lanka, I was waiting for the lease for a store in High Street Armadale and it didn't arrive. So by the time it did arrive, I actually said, well, just put this on pause for a bit. I want to make sure that I've got money in the bank to look after my team. That's mm. more important than leaping off into this new venture. So definitely there's more retail for us to do in Australia. We're, yeah. you know, we're, we're constantly being approached by people in Queensland to do something in James Street. I'd love to be up there because I know we have a following up there as well. And, you know, it's interesting watching our online store do what it's doing at the moment because it actually starts to plot out where you could have other retail stores. Um, and oh. I love retail. Oh, my God. What a surprise that was. Mm. Opening a store and people coming in and having that experience and how creative that is. Really mm. interesting. Yeah. You know, that, that to me was the biggest surprise was how much I actually loved that. Um finding the space, you know, Brooklyn was great. We found this old bodega. It was absolute. My team in New York, I took them there and they went, you can't fix this up. This is not this is not doable. It was the most disgusting old bodega and we lovingly restored this building and found existing original features. That, you know, it's, it's an amazing space, the Brooklyn store. Beautiful right. space. Cool. But see, that for me is, I get a lot of pleasure from doing that stuff as well, yeah, and working yeah. with um, you know Mark and Damien from Design Office, they're extraordinary talented people. Mm, that's cool. Yeah. So the future, the future. I mean, obviously, right now we're all, I guess, nervous about a yeah. potential recession. Um, certainly, was announced yesterday here in Australia that we are officially in a recession. And yeah. um, you and I have been in business long enough to, to have probably been through a few of those. <laughs> And mm. um, less so, I guess, in Australia, because Australia has been kind of protected for, is it 29 years? I think it's been yeah, really strong market. And um, I know back in London when I was there, we had a recession. It was painful. Um, I guess there's uncertainty, but still maintaining optimism around, um, you know, loving what you do um, and survival and, you know, good things still are needed in this world. Um, what would you say to people who are starting out, who are looking for that thing, looking for the thing, the part, their partner's will? How would you advise them to find it or not? <laughs> I mean, it took a lot of years to get to the point where I employed somebody. Like, I think, I think you can do, you've got to, people have got to take risks. You've got to, I didn't go wildly into debt ever. I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, um, and, and understanding, having a good bookkeeper is really important. Yeah. They're, they're kind of the areas of stress that <clears throat> when you first start, if you're a creative or you have a vision for something, but you're not great with money or knowing your legal obligations, it's sort of they're the areas where you can come undone really easily. You don't yeah. know how to do the super and the tax and you know. Um, I, I think that's the area that you know. Just baby steps. There's no rush. You you need to learn how to do whatever this new thing is you're going to do. So mm. take some time. We've all got a little bit of time now. Yeah. And you know, it's definitely when people get more creative, isn't it? When when we have less. We have to work out. I always think in Canada, there's always great musicians in Canada because they're stuck indoors and they have time. <laughs> time to not be distracted by things. They've got time to be working on their music. You know, it's like giving yourself that time to be creative or come up with that idea. Yeah. Um, rather than just trying to rush it out. I think that's great advice. I think that that's something I definitely experienced over the last few months was an appreciation for time. And I've always wanted to press this big pause button when things get a bit hairy. Mm -hmm. uh, of mm. course, they don't exist. Um, but being forced to 
stop or slow down has been probably not great for a lot of other people. People have been in a in terrible situation. So, you know, my hearts go out to those people and who are struggling. Yeah. Um, but just to just kinda of guess to reappreciate home, my family, meals, uh, having time to think, having time to explore. Um it it's Ah, you kind of again wonder why why we're living at such a pace in the first place. You know why are we running every day? I I have a um a, a business partner in London. He's on a board of a company in New Zealand, and the the owner of that company just made the decision that he was going to pay everybody for five days a week, but only asked them to work four days a week. And I thought that was really interesting. I'd love to be able to do that because I think that it gives people time outside of work. Yeah. You probably would use your time more efficiently when you were at work. And it kind of keeps us, like I think there's something in that. Mm. Um, you know, we're, we're all working, well, not in the office necessarily, but you know, all the production's working at four days a week and it's a very kind of calm environment down there now. We sort of went from a couple of days to three days to four days. And I think if we could leave it at four days, that would be a really great thing for everybody's life you know, and and the, that balance. Mm. Um, yeah, we've, we've been in a situation where all of our guys here have all been uh, working from home for the last three months. And, you know, initially, like everybody, it was like, oh, my God, it was shock, it was fear, it was like this is uncertainty um, a lot of people didn't like it initially, and over time, people have begun to really enjoy it. We did a survey last uh, this week, I think it was, and um, everyone's saying, virtually everybody, one or two not saying that, but virtually everybody's saying, hey, I, you know, I'd love to work from home three to four days a week, and I can't mm-hmm. see any reason not to. Like, not to, yeah. Because if you're still <laughs> as productive, you're still doing great things, um, so that's what we're looking at right now. We're redesigning our business. And again, I wouldn't have done it um, without what's happening happened um, and realized, well, of course, we haven't got furnaces and kilns and things like that. We don't, we don't work like that. We can just grab a laptop and work anywhere, basically. Yeah. Um, so yeah. we're lucky in, in that regard that our industry is fairly um, fluid and uh, mobile. Um, mm. But the important thing is, though, the coming together for the culture, coming together, what, what is Frost Collective? It's not just a bunch of people working remotely. It's actually shared values, shared kind of vision, shared, um, you know, standards and appreciation for life and uh, what we do. Um, mm. So we're kind of, it's interesting time to kind of redesign and evolve yourself as an individual, but also your people, your culture. Uh, your products, etc. Technology's obviously made a massive leap forward. It's been there, but it's now making a massive leap forward to um, how we've all embraced it uh, like never yeah. before. So people have said things, and mo- we've moved on 10 years apparently in, a, in three months um, in terms of our embracing of technology and the evolution of, of technology. It might be a demise, mm. who knows? Um, but it kind of comes back again to to you and your beliefs and your product etc because that's something which is not about technology you may purchase it or discover it through technology online for example and order it that way but you're Mm -hmm. still creating something which is from the earth and i I love that i love the fact that your you create your product is something that is a piece of the earth and um uh and how that maybe that's why the connection feels so strong as well, not just the color and the mm. shape, but it's the fact that it's actually organic in terms of its yeah. quote, you know. Um, cool. Um, you need to do your meditation. I do. <laughs> you had that need. I um, do. Well, it's, it's still there. I paid for the. I paid for everything. <laughs> Pontus rebooked me on the first of November. God knows what happens now, but. Um, yeah, I will. I will get to Sri Lanka. I will do that thing. I'm. I'm actually not expecting that I'll be getting to Sri Lanka anytime soon. I've booked to go up to Byron Bay for a couple of weeks, so that's my my Ooh, that's mini nice. my mini step yeah, away. Yeah, that's nice. there, so 
Um, have you tried um, Have you tried yoga? Have you tried humming puppy? I haven't tried humming puppy, but I do. We do yoga classes at work. Or we we were doing not at the moment, but we have yoga at Mud a couple of days a week. Mm. So um, yes, I I do like yoga. I have not been finding time, the time for myself to do yoga no. um, while this has been going on, but I will. I feel that it will come back. Yeah, yeah. Um, I quite like, and I quite like Pilates as well. Yeah, Pilates is good. Pilates is good. There's some great retreats here. I don't know if you've been to Gaia up up near um, Byron. No, I haven't. I've sort of not really been the retreat person, but I've somebody, um, Katrina Tinsley, talked about who I know. um, She went to a place in Sri Lanka and she just said it was changed her life. And for two years, I've been trying to get there. I had a hip replacement a year ago. And so I was planning to go then and then I had to cancel it. So then this one, this has been like the trip that I'm going to do for a really, really, really long time. Mm. So not getting on that plane was quite tricky anyway. Um, well, I will get there. And um, yeah. yeah. I, I tried, Gaia was really spectacular. I really enjoyed that. Um, mm. So uh, yeah, look, well, it's been really cool uh, to catch up. Um, I really enjoyed, and Petrina was the one who introduced me to you as well, by the way. And um, all right, yeah, I'm going to catch up with her soon on the podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, it's really cool to kind of meet the person behind the brand, behind the product, and hear how it all came about, and um, you know the thought process and and your passions, and uh, and how you've kind of evolved as a person and as a business owner. It's been really mm-hmm. cool to catch up with you. Look, I would love to, when things get back to a bit more normal, you come into the studio and I'll show you how to make something. Oh, that'd be cool. That's that'd, be, that'd be really cool. Yeah. I'd love to do that. Yeah. All right, Shelley. Well, thank you so much. Um, Pleasure. Wish you all the best. Thank you so much. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you all for listening. If you want to find out more about designing your life, head over to our website at designyourlife.com.au or on our social media at Frost Collective. If you enjoyed this episode and found it inspiring, please don't forget to review or subscribe.